I started selling oh. off all my G.I. Joe toys. Love Talk Radio. Rolling Thunder, the Black Mamba. Dude, so many regrets. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Geekish Cast Live for June 22nd, 2017. I am your host, Jeremy, and joining me tonight in the co-host seat, the Destro to my Cobra Commander, Joe Slepsky <laughs> of the Joe on Joe podcast. Thank- What's happening, Joe? Thank you, Jeremy. You have, you've been glorious, Poppin' Jay. <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. I, I really could not. Um, I've been trying to figure out a right way to work that in for a few weeks now, and I think I finally hit it. Nice. Um, I like it. I like it. I'll be happy to be a, a billionaire arms dealer from Scotland, nonetheless. For the first <laughs> yeah, right. Unless sure. You're to that. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I already so wear the op- we- I already wear the open chest shirt look, so we got that done. Oh, see, now that I know that, I am glad we've become friends. I've been looking for somebody else <laughs> who rocks that look. <laughs> now you just need a cool metal face mask. Yeah, it's gonna go well exactly. with my summer. It's gonna go well with my summer romp hems. Oh, God. I saw where a girl was wearing a romper and had a banana stuffed through the leg the other day. It was really quite funny. <laughs> uh, so, Joe, you are the host of a uh, other podcast, as well as a co-host here on Geekish Cast Live. You are the host of Joe on Joe. What's that about? Well, Joe on Joe is a weekly foray into the 1980s G.I. Joe Real American Hero cartoon. We watch uh, an episode, it's myself and a new guest every week. We watch an episode together and kind of comment on it, Mystery Science Theater style, and have a lot of fun. We reminisce, we, think, we talk about the toys and stuff that we were into right around when we were like 10 years old, 11 years old, and just, you know, just talk nerd toy stuff. It's fun. Awesome. What episode do you have coming up? Well, next week, actually, uh, next week is a... Next week's a strangely somber episode. It is about the children that were left behind when the U.S. soldiers went over to like Vietnam and Korea to fight wars, and then they would impregnate uh, the the local women and leave behind these half American, half native, you know, like Thailand. And, and this story specifically is Thailand, but you know, Vietnamese or, or whatever. Uh, these half children, and I know that sounds super dark for GI Joe. I'm telling you, that's what the episode's about. That sounds really dark for G.I. Joe. Yeah, um, it's really wow. is. It's it's a good episode, and they treat it seriously. And there's sure, you know, there is, of course, uh, you know, crazy MacGuffin that they have to stop Cobra with. But the whole, the real point of the show is to highlight the fact that there were these children that were left as a result of the U.S. Uh, intervention over in Southeast Asia. Huh. Yeah, well, crazy. Sounds crazy. pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I must never have seen that. Um, real quick, yeah, it's just not a feel good. It's not a feel good. No, it doesn't sound like territory <laughs> for a cartoon designed to sell toys. You know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I didn't see any action figures of these orphan kids. That'd have been amazing. <laughs> they, they would have. They would have come in a two pack because they would have been smaller than the normal size. They would have made you have to make you think. In order to feel yeah. like you got your money's worth, you need two of them. And, yeah, and how, yeah. Woody and Allen and buys is, up every single one of them off the shelf. What? 
But how okay. how does the episode end though? It's like and using prophylactics is half the battle, well, right? It should. <laughs> and pulling out is the other half. No, yeah. it. Uh, strangely, it ends with the Joe saying, "Hey, you kids, why don't you come with us to America?" And the one uh, there was like an older gentleman. I think he was one of their uncles. Goes, "No, they're good over here in Thailand. They all they need is family." Yeah, we'll just sell them. We'll just sell them to sex traffickers and get enforcement yeah, to right? change operations. Like, It'll be exactly, it's crazy. Yeah. It's honestly crazy. But enough, enough GHO. That's it. Joe and Joe every Wednesday. Find me on iTunes. Listen and and have fun. Yes, and also rate and review it when you do find it on iTunes. Please, please, please. Yes. Also joining us tonight is uh, a rec- the returning champion of uh, Pacific Northwest Web Series. Ken Carlson, the creator of Dead Drift, and now you are working on a new series whose name I have trouble pronouncing, Penny Palabras. Yeah, no, you nailed it, man. Penny Palabras, that's uh, that's the ticket right there. Champion, though, that's cool. I'm the reigning champion. I'm the champion well, of something. That's awesome. The re- returning champion, at the very least, yeah. You're the well, Billy hey, Jack you know, Haynes of our show. I'm, I'm a champion, <laughs> so that's all that matters. I'm going yeah. uh, to get a Judah Friedlander hat now. <laughs> there you go. That'll work quite nicely. So, um, Ken, you are going to have to struggle through a couple of our regular segments. I do want to address real quick. Uh, our other regular co-host, Paul, is um, off on a secret mission either for this show or the U.S. government, and we cannot comment on which. Uh, so, uh, Paul, be safe. Hope everything's going well. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, Paul, I sure is hope our... Paul deletes those emails. I sure hope. Uh, Paul is usually <laughs> the guy who does a, our formats for the live episodes, so we're going off of his notes. The problem we run into is me and Joe get a little unruly without uh, executive producer Paul here to keep us on track. So, anyhow, uh, we're going to comment on a few things that we have ready to go, and then we're going to talk about your series, uh, Dead Drift, and what you're working on now with Penny Palabras. So, Sweet. let's jump. Let's jump right into our first piece of news. Star Trek Discovery has a premiere date, which Woo! I never thought would happen. Never thought it was going to happen. Yeah, right. Uh, September, Only a year yeah. and a half late. Yep, September 24th it is going to premiere. Um, it doesn't look like Star Trek that I've seen before, but I think we have to give it room to develop something on its own. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it looks. I think it looks fun. You know, like every every iteration, it better look better because. You know, tech advances in uh, special effects and things like that. So yeah, yeah, I, I think that's I'm just so. kind of a that's just kind of a problem when you do a prequel series. Yeah, fifty years after something, it can't look like the future would have looked fifty years ago. It has to look like the future looks now. Right. Um, yeah, and since we already have stuff that's more advanced than anything they could have thought was coming back when they did uh, Star Trek, it's just you know, guys. It's just the way we have to deal with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. You know? Um, yep, exactly. Suspend your disbelief and deal with it. Totally. Yeah, it, it, just be happy we have Star Trek again. Damn it. That's, I that's am what I beyond have to say about that. overjoyed that we have Star Trek again on in, in, a, in an episodic serial format because, in my humble opinion, that is where Star Trek belongs and that's where Star Trek is best. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, Ken, are you going to subscribe to the service to watch it? I hadn't really given it a lot of thought, but I think that I will simply because I want to support the show. Um, I mean, and given that I haven't seen it yet, obviously, uh, I want to show CBS with my dollars that 
I think it is important for there to be Star Trek, new Star Trek out there. I, I'm not necessarily a big fan of, of going backward in the timeline. I would rather they go forward in the timeline, but I'm so beyond happy that there's finally Star Trek on TV again that I, I think I am going to subscribe. Uh, how about you, Joe? So, Are you going to subscribe? Um, I might have to. They already that show the the good fight is supposed to be really great, and um, so that 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 puts two shows on my radar. Uh, so yeah, but I probably won't until it's been on for a few weeks, so that I can kind of jump in and binge it, and if it's not to my liking, kind of pull the plug, you know. Yep, I got gotcha. you. You want to get in and see a few episodes in a row? Yeah. Um, now, for me, I've already been a subscriber to CBS All Access since last summer. Really? Um, yes. I, and I, guys, I'm going to embarrass myself by telling you all this, but my wife and I have very few really just dirty TV secrets. Big, big Brother is one of ours. Okay, watch- if you were if, if the words <laughs> Big Bang Theory, if the words Big Bang Theory were going to come out of your mouth, I was going to hang up right now. No, and you know, no self-respecting <laughs> nerd actually wants show fuck those guys <laughs> um no big brother we watch big brother america big brother uk and big brother canada every year uh Damn. and and five bucks a month to have access to every series of star trek in high def plus a local tv channel because we are cord cutters you know now we can watch live in real time cbs and it's five bucks a month for all of this yeah i'm, I'm gonna spend the five bucks that's pretty you good, know. actually. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize yeah. that's all it was. Yeah, and yeah. and I didn't realize that they have all of the they have all the Star Trek previous ones too. Yes, they have every, including the movies now as well. Oh, nice. see, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I I I jumped on it now. Of course, when I first pulled the trigger, I thought we were only six months away from new Star Trek. I didn't realize it was a year or three <laughs> months or whatever to get it out. But to be fair, by the time that all washes out, it's going to be sixty dollars, which is less than my weekend bar tab by noon. So right, wow. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think so. All three of us, we are on board with the new Star Trek. We're all happy to hear it has a release date. Uh, any concerns or anything else before we move on to the next topic? No, I'm not. No, I, I know. I mean, I know. I know a, friend, a good friend of mine's. Uh, he's heavy into the community, and I know that. You know, really, really hardcore Star Trek fans are nitpicking various things and all that stuff. But I, it looks fine. It looks great. I love, you know, Michelle Yeoh's awesome. Uh, yeah. The girl from Walking Dead's great. Like, yeah, I go for it. I think it looks exciting. Yeah, I think it, I think it looks good. I'm all in. Yeah, yeah, me too. I am there 100. Um, percent And Star Trek fans picking apart something. Fuck, that's what we do. That is Star Trek fans in a nutshell. Yeah, uh, that's just kind of what we do. Um, You know, canon is the thing we shoot stories out of in Star Trek fandom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, so now on to our next little piece of news here. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a little independent film series called The Star Wars. But uh, Mm. the the director is that that the one that where they were trying to find the black hole. The little red robot that was all smushed up. Yeah, yeah, with Bob <laughs> the robot and uh, yeah. I can't remember the uh, Maximilian and Star. Yeah. Oh, that that was they did that sequels to that. I yeah, a lot of them. To it. Oh, that's, yeah. that's exciting. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Uh, so um, the directors of the new Han Solo film, um, 
Well, apparently you can find them working at Chipotle. Uh, <laughs> um, they they, are, they are currently unemployed. Yeah, they are currently yeah. unemployed. They have been fired. Um, I don't think for long, though. I think though they will land on their feet very quickly. I, They'll probably be fine. I think in the long term, I think they'll be just fine. Strangely enough, almost before they were fired, rumors that Ron Howard was going to direct the Han Solo film started to swirl. And Joe, you broke the news to me this morning. What 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 news did you find this morning? Oh, he's he's Ron Howard's directing the Han Solo film. That's that's what was confer- confirmed earlier today. He is on signed and on board. They are uh, July tenth is when they are ramping up production once again, and so he's going to spend. Uh, the next couple weeks, going through all the footage they shot and kind of seeing what, what direction he wants to take it. The word is that Lord and Miller were uh, treating the character of Han as comedic. And according to Lawrence Kasdan, who did the most character building with Han of anyone in the world, he's not comedic. He is sarcastic and selfish. And that's it was a tone that Lord and Miller just were not getting with Han. Apparently, through all the months of, of shooting, they just weren't nailing it. Yeah, and if you can believe anybody on who Han Solo should be, it's Lawrence Kasdan. He uh, he created I agree. that character. Yeah, I mean, the the Han Solo we think of is the Empire Strikes Back Han Solo, and that was Lawrence Kasdan. Totally. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not gonna. Uh, like however much money this costs them to change. I don't care about that stuff. You know, I just, I, I will ultimately judge the end product, you know, by whatever the end product is. It just seems like I'm shocked that it took them this long to realize that Lord and Miller who are known for doing really, and I think they're great, really funny, very improv-y kind of stuff. Like, didn't you know that's what you were getting when you hired these guys? (laughs) Right. Yeah. It just seems, seems just like a, Real, real misstep. Yeah. Well, let me ask the two of you, because you're a little more intertwined. I mean, Ken, you're a writer and director, and uh, Joe, you've actually worked with uh, Hollywood types before. When you're into something like this and you have a director on a movie, how how long do you think you really give somebody, even after you think, ah, I don't know that they're getting what we want to get towards with this, how long do they normally get before you finally just jerk them out of the project? I feel like I, I get it pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think... That's just on an indie level, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I know, you know, for actors, they always say, you know, you, you need to get that first day or so of filming in because once you have some scenes in the can, then they can't fire you. Yeah. Uh, with, a, with a director, it, it just doesn't happen. You know, look at how many few times that it has happened over the years that's not due to you know, something catastrophic, you know, like, like we were just talking about last week with Zack Snyder, you know, like that's a legitimate, you know, um, you know, issue. Horrifying, yeah. yeah. Right. Usually like, so Richard Donner, they, they changed directors midstream, but that was after production had shut down because they were supposed to film Superman one and two together. And he filmed a bunch of Superman two. And then they decided to just shut down all the Superman two footage. And then they just never brought him back to shoot the rest of the movie. So that's similar, but, but really quite different. Uh, this is, this is, they had a planned hiatus. They shot for three months and just whacked them. And apparently with zero, like warning, they just said, no, nope, we're done. 
Well, they're that, gonna be talking. They're gonna be talking about this for a while. Is, is I yeah. think I think the, the end result. This one's there's gonna be stuff that's gonna come out about this for for quite a yeah, while. Absolutely, and that's interesting because it sounds like some suits were looking at it, and and the suits didn't like what they were seeing, and then so right. they made that choice while they were on hiatus. Um, but you know, there's details that we don't know. Like, were they talking to him about it? Hey guys, we're gonna need you to take Han in a different direction than what you're doing now. And then, like, three months later, they haven't changed course at all. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, guys, it's, I mean. Well, they're, they're eh, the, wrong two, yeah, the wrong two dudes to have that conversation to. They're not, like, up-and-comers like we saw with, um, with Gareth Edwards, who did Rogue One. They brought in a, a guy to finish the rest of his shoots. He did a – Gareth Edwards did a great job, and I enjoyed his uh, – he did Godzilla and all that. But Lord and Miller have a real resume. Like, they did – they made a – they've made a ton of money for Warner brothers with like the Lego movie and those 21 yeah. jump street movies. They don't have to sit back and, and change the way they do business. It's kind of like you hired us. Right. You know, so I could, I could definitely see them saying, no, this is you, you brought us on board. Let us do our thing. And if you don't like it, then they, you know, they're not going to change. And I don't I know. Think they, definitely, they definitely picked the wrong people for the project. Not that, like you said, those guys are great and they make good stuff and, and, their thing is working for them, but why would you, you know, why would you bring on those guys to make a Han Solo movie? Because the names, because their names, is that, I mean. Well, I mean, I would love to see them do a Han Solo movie, but it sounds like they don't want to let anyone have any directorial vision. They want everything to be super, super Star Wars, you know what I mean? Right, and I mean, you run into that same issue with uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where you've got Kevin Feige and and his, his overall vision, and if uh, like what's his name? Ed Ed. Um, well, for Ant Man. Ant Man. The director of uh, Baby Driver. Um, and uh, uh, yes, and uh, the great Scott Pilgrim. Uh, Scott Pilgrim, Ed, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Ed, Edgar the, Wright. Edgar Wright. Yep. He did all that work on Ant Man, and then they let him go. Which I would have killed to see his version of Ant Man. I'm actually 100% in love with the version of Ant-Man that exists, but yes, oh, agreed. Great. Yeah, I liked it pretty well, too. You know, Paul Rudd is one of those actors, like, I like almost everything he's ever done, but if you ever brought Paul Rudd up to me in conversation, I'd be like, who? <laughs> who are we talking about? And, oh, oh speak- yeah, him. Well, speaking of that, on a completely positive note, the the, the trailer for the next Wet Hot American Summer the 10 years later movie, the trailer oh, dropped I today. I oh, it's fan- the trailer's fantastic. Okay. I'll have to watch that when we're done here. Then. I yeah. have not seen that yet. Um, yeah. So I, think- I mean, I'm worried about the Han Solo thing in the sense of we, I haven't heard that they put, they're pushing the date at all. So that we have less than a year and I, I just want, I want a good, I do want a good Han Solo movie. I'm hearing a lot of my friends saying, well, I never wanted a Han Solo movie in the first place. No, I want a Han Solo movie. I love Han Solo. I want more Han Solo adventures. I right. just, just, I want to, I want it good. That's my thing. I don't want them pissing around on Han Solo. You have to do this and you have to do it right if you're going to do it. Um, Joe, you did a really funny Facebook post yesterday about the Han Solo thing. <laughs> do you remember, do you remember your wording? <laughs> yeah, I said, uh, uh, what did I say? Not, not only do I have to worry about the fate of our nation, but now I also have to worry about the Han Solo movie. Yes, that was it. I actually laughed. <laughs> um, so, so these guys, uh, Lord and Miller. Now, a couple weeks ago, I brought up what my ideal Han Solo movie would have been, 
which would have been uh, Zach Braff as Han Solo and uh, Don Faison as Lando Calrissian. I think uh, um, Lord and Miller would have been the right directors for that movie. Uh, and the fact that that was my idea for a movie probably proves that they were the wrong guys to direct a straight version of Han Solo the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. straight. I don't, I don't mean that straight as in like homosexual or heterosexual. I mean, oh, straight right, right. serious version, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess they just didn't. They're not ready. They weren't ready to let an auteur come in. One day they're going to have to let someone do that. Someone's oh, going to someone's going to tell a story, you know, like Quentin Tarantino's Star Wars or something like that, you know, like where it's going to be a vision of their universe. They're, they're going to have to let it. it maybe it's just too soon. Well, yeah, so far we've only had. Well, by the time it comes out, it'll be three movies in the newly Disney owned Star Wars universe. So I, I can totally see a lot of top down interference in this. It's the yeah, one oh, yeah. they're trying to promote. It's the one they're holding on to. And let's face it, for guys, you know, Joe, within our age range, it is the most important movie franchise ever. Yeah. You know, I mean, just it, there's no quibbling about it. It just is. And when you buy this, you need to make sure this sucker's going to turn $2 billion every time you light up a marquee with it. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be careful with it. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So I just, I, I, I just, yeah. you know, I just feel like those guys aren't going to put out a bad movie. Yep, and it, but it just may be that thing where, you know, yeah, it may have been a good movie, but it wasn't the movie Disney wanted or, yeah. or Lucasfilm yeah. wanted. Um, oh, and then the other one, I am always going to be amazed that people are going to try to do this again. Uh, say what you want about Zack Snyder. I think Zack Snyder made the one unmakeable movie into a movie reality. And that would be The Watchmen, and it turns out that Damon Lindelof is remaking or is beginning to make a Watchmen series for HBO. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, <laughs> <laughs> Stay away. Uh, Leave it alone, Lindelof. Yeah. Don't touch The Watchmen. Go away. I... You can't get more faithful. I mean, you could maybe 5% more faithful than what Snyder did. Yeah, you could do a 10-hour-long movie that had every single beat in it. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. So that's the only way to get more faithful. So is that what we're going to see? And if so, it should just be done line for line like they did the remake of the movie Psycho when Mm -hmm. Gus Van Sant did that remake. Just do it line. Yeah, just do if you're not. Yeah, do it line for line shot for shot of the comic book. Otherwise, what is the point of this? Yeah. And that's, that's not what you're going to get with Lindelof, man. No, no, no. That is not what you're going to get with him. No, not at all. Questions. And, uh, you know, Terry Gilliam from uh, disappointment and sadness. Yeah. (laughs) But Terry Gilliam from, uh, Monty Python was ready to make a Watchmen movie at one point that opened with terrorists attacking the statue of Liberty. And the Watchmen characters coming in like a SWAT team and fighting them off. That was Jesus. how that movie was going to open. Um, With the start, starring, uh, starring Chuck Norris as the comedian. <laughs> I, yeah, I love me some Terry close. Gilliam, man, but he needs to stay away from the Watchmen. Yeah. Like, I don't, I have no interest in anything like that. I, I want, if they're going to do this, I want it to be exactly what the book is. And 
which is what Snyder gave us. So why would they? Yeah. They're they're not going they're not going to redo that. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I realize that people like to um, you know shit on Zack Snyder. I really think he made the one unfilmable movie into a reasonably watchable. Yeah, it's, uh, I like I like watching yeah. it. I think it's good. I think it's I, and I, I enjoy the the longer cut. I don't have time to watch it ever, but it's I, <laughs> when I made time, like three and a half yeah. hours, it's I, it's enjoyable. Well, I started it back in like I started to watch the long cut of it like back in 2012. I'm not done yet though. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay. Zack Snyder it, has a fantastic and unique visual style. Yeah. Um, as far as putting together a coherent narrative, I, I have yet to be really impressed. Um, Watchmen was great, but I mean, then again, Watchmen was was already you know there. All he had to do was adapt it. Right. With uh, what was Baby Doll? Uh, Sucker Punch. Oh, Sucker uh, Punch Batman is terrible. Superman. You know, I, I haven't yet been convinced that he can put together a compelling narrative. But his visual style is amazing. And yeah, Watchmen's been done and he did it he did it as right as anyone is going to be able to do it, I think. Um I, I will I don't know that you're going to get a better screen version of the Watchmen. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I will put that musical opening of the Watchmen against any world building four minutes in any movie. And so you get more out of every scene, every still shot, and every moving shot in the opening of Watchmen than you do in five minutes of narration in any other movie. A hundred percent. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. They stole that. Movie. They stole that for the first terrible Wolverine movie, and that was the only good five minutes of that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, they did more world building in in just a musical montage than you normally get in anything, and it landed. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, so um, I, I'm guessing we're all kind of kind of cold on the Watchmen HBO series. So the proof will be in the pudding. Yeah, I'm thinking is kind of where we're at. And uh, and not because mm-hmm. and not because I think that that text is sacred, sacrosanct and, and no one to touch it, because I'm actually looking really forward to the uh, the button crossover. I think we talked a little bit about it last week. Um, I'm fine with touching those characters, but this story, there's no. It, it's been told, you know, almost to completion. Yeah. So what are you going to do that's different? Yeah, there's not a whole lot. It's kind of like, did you really need to see Godspell after you watched Jesus Christ Superstar? You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's been done. You already saw the good version of it. Do you really need to go check out other versions? I don't think so. But, but you know, uh, given given that I've been proven wrong multiple times today alone, you know, I'll check it out. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's we're going to wrap up a couple things here real quick, and then we're going to go talk to Ken about his old web series, Dead Drift, and his new one that's coming up called Penny Philabris. But the first two things we're going to hit real quick, Paul always does a pick of the week and the pick of next week. Paul's not here. I haven't read these books, so I'm, I'll announce them. And, Joe, if you've read them or if you're looking forward to them or have any insight, I'll have you fill in. And uh, then I have a book pick of the week, and then we'll talk to Ken. So Paul's pick for this week is The Flintstones number 12 nope, by DC. Nope, that's a typo. It's it's Spider-Man and uh, his friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Oh. Yeah, oh, that's, geez, a, that's a typo right. left over from last week. Sorry. I You know what? I did not catch that. You're right. Uh, we don't – do we have a book number? Or any? We don't have any uh, – It's issue number one. Yeah, no, it, it, it's Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Um 
or actually it's Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. That's the new one. Okay. And it's written by Chip Zdarsky. Adam Kubert do, is doing the art. I'm on board for this book 100%. Zdarsky has been doing some of the funniest comic books in the last two, three years. His okay. uh, Howard the Duck was amazing. Sex Criminals is amazing. Everything I've seen him lay his hands on has absolutely been worth the read. Uh, and then I love Adam Kubert's art. I think it's so clean and, and, and pops. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Oh, okay. Uh, that's good to know. I, I am sorry, everybody. I, I got that line wrong. Um, and then the one he was looking forward to next week is I Am Groot number two by Christopher Hastings and uh, the artist is Flaviano. I have not really read anything about the Groot stuff, so uh, either one of you guys got any thoughts on that one? It's not on my radar. Um, I've read the Groot. I've read Groot solo stuff before. It's 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 usually cute and fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know when it, when it's done well. Scotty Young did a bunch of really great stuff with it. So I mean, yeah, that's a that's a good book to look forward to. Okay, I cool. don't see why not. And then I'm going to do a book of the week, which I, I never really do this. But um, next week, I'm going to be airing my interview with Kathleen Coleman, who was Holly on uh, Land of the Lost. And she wrote a book in the last couple of years here called Run, Holly, Run, which kind of recounts her career and her life since leaving show business. Uh, if you want to, you can go to tinyurl.com slash GC Run, Holly, Run buy the book she'll sell the book the show gets a little bit of money and we would appreciate it she was a lot of fun to talk to and i'm really excited to play this episode next week i'm hoping everybody really enjoys it and i'm hoping people get a chance to check out her book she talks just like she writes it's a really strange thing and i don't know if it's a positive or a negative but it's really worth checking out so anyhow run holly run by kathleen coleman for us old guys who loved Land of the Lost when we were little kids, I think it's really cool. Also, I didn't realize that a lot of the old Star Trek folks went on to work on Land of the Lost. So that was what I got out of that. All right, there we go through that. Uh, Ken, you are a Yo. filmmaker, writer, director, all-around cool guy. Uh, I discovered you last year when I found your web series called Dead Drift. Why don't you give us a quick rundown about that one? Dead Drift was a uh, science fiction comedy, very uh, lighthearted, irreverent, um, super low budget, and embraced that that super low budgetness. We used uh, sets that we constructed in the garage uh, as backdrops to tell this story of two idiots who have to learn to work together uh, in order to survive uh, some some alien encounters and some other weirdness that goes on in space, uh, and essentially the the fulcrum of them learning to work together is the ship's holographic AI, HANA, which stands for Highly Adaptive Neural Network Anthropomorphic Hologram. Uh, she's really kind of the one that uh, keeps them alive long enough for them to learn to work together uh, as they face off giant uh, tentacle monsters in uh, in space. Uh, and it's really fun, uh, just completely silly and ridiculous science fiction comedy told in five-minute increments. Uh, which you can watch at deaddriftshow.com. And the entire 16-episode run is screening at Gen Con this year at the Gen Con Film Festival uh, in Indianapolis. So that's that's pretty exciting. We screened there uh, last year as well. Um, and, yeah, that's that's Dead Drift in, an, in a nutshell. Yep. Uh, it also involves Cthulhu-like monsters and giant purple boobies in a way, too. So, you know. Indeed. Both of those things. Yeah. That'll... Uh, <laughs> If nothing else, you can go check that out. Um, 
So you are working on a web series now. I believe you're in. You're still doing pre-production on it, correct? Uh, Penny Palabras. No, we actually are at the point now where we probably only have about six days of principal photography left. Oh, okay. I fell behind on that then. Um, so what is the concept behind this web series? So Penny Palabras is based on a graphic novel uh, from an author in Georgia, uh, James Willard. He wrote this comic uh, and hired Patrick Beaver to illustrate it. So Patrick Beaver, Patrick Beaver's illustrated the, the, the graphic novel, and it's a really cool story. It's kind of a, a dark, supernatural tale of this girl who has a little bit of uh, an, so she has an ability to see ghosts. So she perceives that there are spirits all around her. She kind of starts dabbling in a little bit of magic and and being uh, kind of stalked by this by this thing called the straw man. And he constantly pesters her and hassles her to the point where she's not able to sleep. And then he starts to get more menacing and threatening, and she's worried that he's going to hurt someone she cares about. Uh, so in kind of her downward spiral where, you know, she's plagued by, by, by sleeplessness and nightmares, she also then starts to distance herself from her family and friends in order to protect them from this thing. Um, and so she gets to the point where she's kind of desperate and she makes some, some bad choices, uh, that make things worse because it involves her with other more scary entities that are, are possibly even more threatening and dangerous than the straw man. Um, and James Willard, he did a bunch of the music for Dead Drift, actually, and he approached me about adapting this, this comic uh, into a web series uh, probably in September of, of last year. And I was at the point where I was debating what I was going to do next after Dead Drift, if I was going to go forward with forward with more Dead Drift or if I was going to move on to something else. And I thought that uh, taking on Penny Palabras would be fun because it was unlike anything I had ever done before and it would be very challenging. And I'd like a challenge. I, I, I mean, I would love to be able to, to do this for money and get paid, but I'm not at that point. So because I'm not at that point, I like to take on things that are difficult uh, and kind of expand my... Uh, experience in, in, in stuff that I've done. Um, so yeah, that's that's essentially we we adapted the the comic into this screen in this into the screen format. We fleshed out a few of the characters and a few of the arcs, um, and we're almost done. We got six days of photography left probably, and then and then the editing process is going to begin in earnest. and And I'm hoping to have it ready by the end of the year, but we'll see what happens there. Um, it's a lot of fun. We got a yeah. yeah. What is your what is your uh, now with uh, Dead Drift? You did five minute episodes, if I remember right. What is your release plan for Penny Palabras? So for Penny Palabras, at this point, probably a similar kind of release structure to Dead Drift, and that we'll do one new episode a week. There are seven total episodes. I'm anticipating that the episodes are going to be between ten and twelve minutes long each. So it's it's a little longer format than Dead Drift. Um. And it's also not as humorous, you know what I mean? You, you can't expect to watch Penny Palabras and laugh your ass off like you did with Dead Drift uh, because it's a much darker subject matter. Um, and I, I, I believe 100% that the actors that we got for this project are all just ridiculously good, and I think that they're going to carry this material uh, and, and make it believable. So you're going to be able to watch this and you're going to be able to see what Penny's going through 
and and hopefully be riveted and want to tune in next week to see where things go. And I can tell you the one thing I, I'm struck by right off, your straw man is freaking terrifying looking. That's awesome. I'm glad is. to hear it. Yeah. I don't know what it is specifically about him, but I get the freaking willies every time I see when you put up one. Now, of course, you and I are friends, so I, I follow you on Facebook, so I've been following the production loosely as you've gone, but I've seen it go from sketches to actual character on the screen. There are photographs of it. And, yeah, there's that. Also, you have another character. Is it a cat mask or a fox mask? Am I, am I picking up on Tiger, that's it. And, yep, it's uh, a tiger. Who is that character? Is it something you can talk about real quick? Or yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's the Tiger Devil. Um, the Tiger Devil is one of the uh, entities, I will just say, for lack of a better word, that Penny gets mixed up in dealings with, um, and that's kind of where she gets in like way over her head. Is that she essentially talks to this Tiger Devil to help her get rid of the straw man. Um, and, you know, if, if you know anything about the whole idea of making deals with devils, um, a deal with a devil is uh, generally one-sided, and you're not going to come out on top. Uh, but the straw man has, has caused enough desperation in Penny's life that she's willing to uh, enter into a contract with this devil to get rid of the straw man. And without going into really any further detail, I'll just say that it does not end well for her. <laughs> and our, our Tiger Devil is actually played by Alyssa Kay, who played Hannah in Dead Drift. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was she was and, a very lovely uh, holographic person. Absolutely. She's awesome. Yeah. And, and in the scenes that we've done with her as the Tiger Devil, she is absolutely chilling. Um, I knew she had it in her to, to, to do this, you know, this kind of this evil character from... Well, no spoilers, but I knew she had it in her, and she delivers uh, above and beyond, you know, what I was expecting, and and she's phenomenal. Well, that's outstanding. Well, let me ask you this real quick. Going from a comedy to a supernatural horror, um, were you ready for it? Did you find things more of a challenge than you expected? Tell me a little bit about the differences between your experiences there. Yeah, and, and, and another difference is that, you know, with Dead Drift, one of the things that we were trying is that the characters were communicating to each other via, you know, communication consoles. So it was essentially like looking at a webcam. Like, so uh, the characters were always looking directly at the camera when they talked to each other. And we had our sets that we built and we lit, and everything was always filmed on those sets. So every time we showed up to film, we didn't have to change the lighting. We didn't have to change camera placement. You know, all that stuff was exactly the same every time. So that made it really easy to just show up, turn on the lights, tell some jokes to the camera, and then you're done. Uh, with Penny Palabras, we've had, you know, dozens of locations, and we have, to, we have to work with different lightings and different camera angles and setups every time we go there. And then we're working with all these different actors to get the performances out of them. And there was definitely a learning curve, and it was very challenging, in, in some aspects more challenging than I was expecting. In other aspects, you know, I'm like, you know, we got this. Um, actually, one of the very first scenes, actually it was the very first scene that we shot with the straw man, and we shot it as written, uh, kind of in the comic book, adapted straight to the screen. Upon review, and after we had been shooting for a couple of months, 
we were looking at the scene and we decided that we were going to go back and reshoot it because it just wasn't uh, suspenseful enough. It wasn't creepy or scary enough. It was just too, too much, too fast all at once. So we went back and we reshot that with some of the lessons that we had kind of learned from the months of shooting. And that first scene that we shot on our first inaugural day ends up being so much more powerful and creepy and suspenseful. Um, and also I think Dina had a better understanding of the character uh, because she'd been playing her a lot longer. So she brought a different approach to, to playing Penny in that scene, which, which was definitely better. We were all just better. And I mean, at the end of the day, we could go back and reshoot the whole thing and, and maybe certain aspects of it would be better, but you can't do that forever. At some point you got to say, all right, this is, this is what we got. Um, and I'm rambling. So, I mean, that'll happen, but uh, yeah. th- I think this thing is going to be great. All right, cool. Um, it sounds exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in checking both of them out. Nice. I would love it if you did. Yeah, and when I hate it, I will not say it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's cool. You can say it. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm looking forward to it. It sounds really cool. The straw man. <laughs> I like the I like the idea of that because it's a demon that just shows up and and argues with her uh, in, in, in nonsensically. Yes. Yes. She can't Maybe actually. Just... She can't actually make a point. It's just constant straw man arguments. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, a little logical fallacy work in there, I see. There you go. Yeah. I was never that good at debate class, but I do recognize that argument when I hear it. Um, <laughs> and you hear it a lot. I do. I really, really do. Um, so, Ken, um, who you want to give us a quick rundown on who who you worked with getting Penny Flabras ready and who some of the actors behind the scenes before? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Travis Blood is kind of serving as the director of photography. Uh, he and I worked together years ago with a with a filmmaking team that we had developed called Mutually Assured Productions, um, and we've joined forces yet again, and uh, we think that the result is good. I love working with Travis, um, and I think we're making good stuff together. Also, Sean Driscoll came on uh, pretty early in the project, and he's helped with a lot of the assistant directing role and uh, kind of helping to rewrite the scripts as, as we go. Um, James McEwen came on, and he's kind of our special effects uh, guru. He's been doing a lot of the work with the uh, the straw man and the effects that we're going to add to him in post-production. He built uh, the straw man mask uh, off the designs that I made up. And um, we've also got uh, Chad Thomason and Andy McIntyre, who have been really awesome on the crew side of things, Sabrina Erskine, uh, my wife, Allison, of course, keeps everybody fed at every single shoot that we have. Um, Brandon Cartwright from the Olympia Film Collective has been huge for us. He, he's done a lot of the behind-the-scenes time lapses and just filled in in whatever crew roles we needed as, as he was available to do so. Um, I'm probably forgetting a, a couple people there, but, uh, you know, I love you and thank you for your help. I appreciate it. As far as our cast, we've got Dina Ingley as Penny Palabras and... She is just phenomenal. Like, I, I can't at this point picture anyone else have having uh, come this far with us uh, and given so much to the project as she has. And she is just, she's a joy to behold uh, when she is performing as this character. 
she nails everything. And and I think you know one of the things you always hear people say is that if the director casts right, uh, the director doesn't have to do anything. And and that's kind of how I feel with most of these actors is that we chose the right people to play these roles. And and my job has been super easy because of that. And and Dina's kind of at the tip of that spear as the main character, Penny Palabras. And then we've got Bill Reed Jr. as the straw man, and he's awesome. He's chilling. He he really he came to audition for like perhaps a couple different roles, uh, but then he decided that the straw man was the one that he wanted, and and he nailed it in the audition, and and it was unanimous. We decided that he was the straw man, uh, and he's he's been great as the straw man. And then we've got, as I said, uh, Alyssa Kay as the tiger devil. We've got Susan Eck- Susan Eccles Orton as the librarian, well, uh, and she's Ken, fantastic. Ken, I'm have to, I, I got to cut you off because we got 30 seconds, so I'm gonna have to get oh Joe. Oh my Joe, tell us, tell us real quick, where can people find Joe on Joe? Oh, you find it anywhere on iTunes. Just search for Joe on Joe. At uh, Joe on Joe Pod is my uh, social media stuff: Twitter, Facebook, things like that. Awesome, Ken. If people want to find out about you or any of your projects, where can they go? Pennypalabras.com. Awesome. Everybody else, catch us at geekishcast.com. We will see you in two weeks. We are not back next week. We almost got done in time, Joe. We almost did it a second time in a row. So close, so close. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go a couple minutes into overtime, but that's okay. Um, but, yeah, so we are off next week. I will actually be taping an episode with Ellen Dubin from um, while well, she's in – a voice in Skyrim. She was in Napoleon Dynamite. She was on Lex. Uh, really kind of a funny check. I'm looking forward cool. to taping it, but it won't be ready for a month. But I'm taping with her next week. Uh, we're going to be back for the first three weeks of July. I am taking time off in August, so I'm hoping that Paul and Joe, you guys will be able to take over while I'm gone. I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Let's see why not. Yeah, outside of that, um, I think we got everything kind of caught up. Um, you know, Kim, we got your web address in there. You know, people hearing the replay will be able to listen to us blather on. Ken, did you get my email last night? Yes. Okay, cool. My my failed attempt to get a screenplay written has taken on attempt number four by that email. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that does it, everybody. Uh, Joe, we got you in. Kim, we got you in. And we got geekscast.com done. Cool. Hey, guys, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, as always. Awesome. Yeah, and Ken, uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you really want to be on Joe and Joe, I'd love to have you. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll hit you up because that would yeah, be fun. Yeah, we're Facebook friends, though, so, yeah, we'll make that happen. Okay, cool. Thanks for, thanks for having awesome. me on, guys. I appreciate it. Ken, you know, anytime you want to come on, just let me know. Whenever we can work it in, I'm always happy to have you on. Great, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do appreciate it, and I appreciate, you know, look, I mean, I approached you cold out of nowhere, and you were more than willing to come on both or all three times you've been on, so, you know, I'd love to have you back anytime. And yeah, no I doubt. Think, I appreciate it. Yeah. And hopefully my schedule will uh, solidify here a little more. I know I know we've talked, you know, briefly in the past couple months about doing it, and I'm always working Thursday nights, but uh, well, I was happy to be able to do it tonight because I was not working. Yeah, no, and that just always happens. You know, we tried to get him on. Joe, I tried to get Ken on last week for the Adam West episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I invited him, Rico Anderson, a bunch of other people, and literally everybody I approached are like, I would love to, but I'm filming this tonight or I'm working here tonight or I've got this thing tonight. Literally 
every single person out of 12 had the same answer. So, you know, Damn. it just gets, yeah, it just goes that way sometimes. Well, that's good. Right. Busy is good. I'd rather have friends that are super busy, you know? Yep. Yeah, because the, the friends that don't have anything to do end up crashing on your couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Sounds guys. Like um, oh, boy. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a great, have a great, uh, yeah, so have a great week off. Yeah. And enjoy, uh, fourth, enjoy the 4th of July. Oh, yeah. Happy 4th of July, everybody. And, and we will see you uh, the week after. Uh, unless anybody else has anything to pitch, we're going to close off. Let's do it. All right. Oh, uh, I guess I should apologize to my oh. brother. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. I forgot we were still being recorded. I should not have talked smack about my brother. I love you, bro. <laughs> it'll, it'll only matter if he listens to the replay. It's true. Good call. He probably won't. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll talk to you all later. All right. See you guys. All right, Pete. Bye-bye.